This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 276. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Uh, tonight, flying solo as I uh, am just doing a little intro for you guys uh, to bring on here momentarily our guests for this episode, which really means I'm, I'm playing back a an interview that I had the pleasure of doing together with Barrett Kendrick of Bearco Training and Derek Poole of Echo 5 Training Group, both of whom are senior instructors as well with the Intuitive Defensive Shooting Group or ICE Training. Uh, Rob Pincus's, uh crew, if you uh, are familiar. And uh, I was just so excited to uh, talk to these two guys at the United States Concealed Carry Expo. Uh, it was a great conversation we had, and a lot of things we t- discussed just aligned very well, uh, not only with my own personal beliefs and, and the way I do and teach things, but it, it, it just is very timely, actually, to go ahead and play back this interview now as well. Recently, folks, you know, we, we were really pushing hard on this complete home defense course uh, that we recently launched, and uh, which is a great course. If you haven't checked it out, it's still available. You can go to our store, and you can it's, it's right there on concealedcarry.com. Just, just go to concealedcarry.com, click shop, and go look for uh, the complete home defense course so you can get the online streaming version or you can get the three dvd disc three disc dvd set uh whichever medium you prefer now interestingly enough we recently had a comment from somebody about why are we doing a dvd still (laughs) in this day and age where we have netflix and hulu and all these streaming services uh why not just have the streaming version only and you know what we, when we released the Vehicle Firearm Tactics course last year, we were really surprised at the demand we had for DVDs still. And when we created the DVD version of that course, it still sold like hotcakes. I mean, folks were just, I, there was a lot of people, way more than I would have guessed. A lot more people wanted the DVD uh, version of that course as well. In many cases, they wanted both the streaming option and the DVD. And so, you know, we just thought, hey, folks want it, we're going to give it to them. So, uh, but in this case, you, you can buy either the online version or the DVD version. And I believe you can also buy the combo set as well. And you can have both. So you can, you can take it with you. You can stream it. Uh, you can watch the DVD, whatever you prefer. Anyway, go check out the, go check out the complete home defense course. If you want a short link, concealedcarry.com forward slash complete home defense. How about that? That'll take you right to the page on our site where you can buy that. Anyway, as if you couldn't tell, uh, obviously today's episode is brought to you by our complete home defense training course. And also, if you'd like to give some support to Barrett Kendrick and Derek Poole and the great endeavors that those two fantastic instructors are doing as well. Uh, you can head on over to bearcotraining.com. That is B-E-A-R-C-O training.com. Bearcotraining.com. That's uh, Barrett Kendrick's site. He's got a, a lot going on. Uh, he's an excellent instructor. He's based in, in Louisiana and he also travels the country quite a bit teaching classes here and there. 
And Derek Poole, you can find him at Echo 5 Training Group. That is e5training.com, e5training.com. Anyway, so uh, now as to why we are doing uh, this replayed uh, interview, besides the fact that it's really great content, I think we talk about a lot of different things. In fact, let me preview some of uh, what you're going to hear in this uh, in this interview. We talk about home defense strategies. Uh, they both have really excellent thoughts on that. We talk about lights, weapon-mounted versus handheld. Now, a lot of these same things are covered in the complete home defense training course uh, that we've got. Uh, they're going to give you a little bit of a tease, and then we go into some of these things, some of these concepts in even greater detail in that course. And then also staging, staging weapons, staging of other tools that you might need in a home defense situation. And this is a really interesting thing, and, and in fact, it's it's timely because of recent events. And I, you know, I'm going to come back to this in just a moment here, but talking about body language and behavior, or in other words, don't look like a person engaged in killing innocent people. Uh, and I think that's really interesting to think about and consider. Uh, it's something I spend a bit of time teaching folks about myself. Uh, we, we talk about it a little bit in some of the courses I teach because I think there's really something to that. But uh, let's come back to that in, ju- in just a moment here. Uh, we hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I know I did. I was pleased to uh, spend a good deal of time with uh, extended family. Uh, saw my grandmothers. You know, it was, it was a good good, good Thanksgiving uh, season for, for me and my family. I hope it was for each of you as well and that you were also able to enjoy it safely. And just due to the chaoticness of the holiday season here, uh, Black Friday and everything going on. Uh, that's why you're, you're getting this replay interview. But this is a really great interview. Now, here's one thing I want you to, to really look for in this interview. And that is this idea about body language and behavior. Now, recently, there was this shooting in Alabama at the mall. Now, many of you have probably heard about this. It's been, you know, it's one of those things that just, it, it goes viral, right? It, 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 and it, it makes sense why it does. I mean, number one, it looks like we have an apparent good guy. As far as we can tell, uh, there's still a lot of facts that got to come out. You know, there's there's a lot of people up in arms over this situation, and probably rightfully so. But, you know, sometimes we, we jump the gun so quickly. We, we think we know what happened, but the reality is nobody yet really in the public knows exactly what happened in this mall shooting in Alabama. Now, this is a situation where uh, they they had a, uh, a man, they don't even know, I don't think, exactly who this individual is. They know they've got uh, the shooter that is still out at large, and apparently there's some sort of altercation on Thanksgiving night, unfortunately. I mean, this is a happy time of the season. At least it should be. Uh, yes, some folks are getting out there and doing some some early or Black Friday shopping. But some sort of altercation occurred at this mall in Alabama. And shots were fired. An 18-year-old was uh, shot a couple of times in the, in the torso. And then also a 12-year-old girl was injured as well. Uh, really, really sad and unfortunate to uh, see this sort of thing happen like this. And now what happened after that, in the moments following the shooting, uh, police arrived on the scene and they at least one of these officers witnessed a man running away from the apparent scene with a gun in his hand and that officer opened fire, striking and killing a 21-year-old man. His name is E.J. Bradford Jr., uh, he's uh, he's he's a he's in the military. Uh, he's a U.S. Army combat engineer, 
And it would seem, as far as we could tell, and, and it, his father has spoken out and he has uh, mentioned how his son had a permit uh, to carry his gun. And as far as we could tell, he was probably trying to stop the bad guy, the guy that had shot these two young people. Unfortunately, he was misidentified as being what they thought would be the shooter. Now, they probably didn't expect to show up on scene and, and come across a man with a gun going someplace. It, it, it's been mentioned in several, several different sources that he was running away from the scene with his gun in hand. And you can kind of see the problem that's going to create for a responding officer. So the timeliness now of, of sharing with you this interview that I had with Barrett and Derek, they've really got some excellent thoughts on body language and behavior. And some of the things that we can do that at least I think would give a little pause to an officer or at least gives us a little bit better chance of not being misidentified as a bad guy in a situation like this. Now, there are other tactical considerations uh, that, that should be looked at as well. But uh, you know what? I don't want to get too long-winded on this. Um, I'll see you on the other side. I'm going to go ahead and play this interview back. Now, this was done live at show at the Concealed Carry Expo just a few months ago in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, so you will hear background noise, and I apologize. It's not the greatest you know, thing to listen to, but you know, it's also kind of fun. that you know, this, this was something we were doing live on the show floor, So, uh, and, and I was very honored to have Derek and Barrett there with me to spend a little time out of their busy schedules talking about some really important stuff for all of you, our Concealed Carry Podcast listeners. So take a listen to this. See you on the other side. Hey, everyone. Uh, Riley here now again on the broadcast booth stage live from the Concealed Carry Expo. Uh, we've got Derek Poole over here. We've got Barrett, Barrett Kendrick, both involved with ICE training, and Rob Pincus, whom we just had on the show yesterday. And so crazy, amazing things going on with ICE training. Uh, uh, awesome changes and, and great new partnerships for for. For that part of the business with the USCCA uh, changing over from kind of combat-focused shooting, intuitive defensive shooting, cool stuff coming, and a, a great you know team behind a lot of that. So Barrett, Derek, thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having yeah, us. Absolutely, yeah. thanks for having us. So I'm, I'm going to start here, I guess, Barrett. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and you know whatever, whatever else you want to share. Absolutely. So I, as you kind of mentioned, I, I do work for ICE training for Rob Pincus, uh, as well as also have my own firearms company that I started uh, about nine, uh, working into 10 years ago on that. Uh, nice. My big specialty on that is really I'm, I'm going after that responsible individual that uh, has that strong interest in home defense or uh, concealed carry inside of that public environment. And I want to be able to take that student and, and really uh, allow them to uh, teach them to be able to develop a plan that make themselves safer, that make their family safer. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Yeah, I share a lot of the same passions. Uh, Derek? Um, I've been doing this for a long time. Got out of the Marine Corps in 2000. Mm. Um, sort of got into it part-time and ended up running into Rob in 2010. Took a class with him. Ended up in instru instructor development and sort of worked my way through. Now I'm actually the outside instructor liaison for our CFS Inc., which is now our intuitive defensive shooting. So I work with, we have 40 to 50 instructors that are actively teaching yeah. the program around the United States. And it's my job to, you know, make sure that they're up to date with our latest evolutions of stuff, like with the, the latest book with the USCCA. Right. That's right. a lot of our material it, um, that's evolved. Uh, you've been presenting while here at the show uh, about uh, armed home defense. Yes. Um, I, 
that's not really a topic that we've covered yet, I, you know, in, specifically in this uh, live event here. So I'd love to hear, you know, kind of maybe a quick little summary, Cliff Notes version of what you were sharing in your seminar. Absolutely. I, I, you know, when, you, uh, when people start to talk about home defense, a lot of people just go straight to the gun, right? Well, if somebody breaks into my home, well, the law says that I'm allowed to use deadly force to be able yeah. to protect myself inside of that home. Just grab my gun and start spraying and bullets. And, and, to, and to be honest, that's, that's what you get a lot. You know, you'll see somebody yeah. share a course on home defense on the Internet or you know, some sort of picture that talks about it. And everybody's saying, well, at least not everybody, but there's going to be plenty of people that are going to comment and post on that. Well, what kind of plan is it? It's you've got a gun. There's a bad guy in your home. You already have the answer. But in reality, you know, the firearm is not a plan. It's just it's just a really tiny part of the plan. So kind of yeah. what I was talking one about. Tool actually, one tool. Actually, one tool. One tool inside of that plan. So I was kind of talking about this morning to the the people inside of that presentation. Well, if I'm standing there, you know, on the balcony overlooking the pool, and I'm five floors up on that balcony, and and I have a goal that I want to go swim down in the beautiful pool because it's a beautiful day. Well, how do I get there, right? There's a lot of ways to be able to, to get to that end game. And it's yeah. the same thing with home defense is I have to establish and, and what I'm trying jump, to achieve. Right? Into the pool. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm a little older now. So. Uh, but you have to establish what you're trying to achieve. So if, if I'm in my home and I'm there and my wife is there and my kids are there, even if I'm there by myself, what am I trying to achieve? I want survival, right? I want to yeah. be able to, to hug my children at the end of the day. So if my, if my goal is safety, if my goal is I want to be able to, to survive and live to the next day, well, then I, there's a lot of ways that I can get to that goal, but I need to make sure that I'm acting efficiently, right. but acting efficiently in the, in the way that, of what I'm trying to achieve, safety. Right. So there's a lot of ways that I can get down to the pool. The most efficient method probably would be right off the balcony to get down to the water, right? Yeah. But the risk is too high. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, with the firearms, whether it's public defense or inside of the house, is that I need to achieve that goal, but I want to keep that risk level to myself as low as possible. And, and others. And others. Those that you Absolutely. want to continue to live for. So we kind of so. talked about uh, there's a lot of reasons you wouldn't want to have to use deadly force, right? Is that it's not, you've got to survive the fight, but you also have to deal with all the battles that come after that. So there's a huge ripple effect that could continue yeah. to go on for many years, right? So there's a major uh, a pile of reasons why you would not want to use deadly force, whether that's financially, you know, having to yeah. deal potentially with bankruptcy, dealing with uh, fighting a criminal battle, potential civil battle, you know, having your family shun you away, you know, having yeah. the society push you away is, uh, or making a decision and using deadly force when it wasn't absolutely necessary, then having to be able to deal with, deal with that for the rest of your life, the emotional side of it. Yeah. Uh, people have jumped to using deadly force. I talked about you know, a case in, um, in Ohio here a couple of years ago where you, know, you had a, a father that was uh, went home from work to go get something and he's uh, downstairs in the basement of his home yeah. and here's somebody in his home. So he arms himself, grabs a firearm and just sees a silhouette standing in the, in the, uh, in the shadow of the doors there that immediately goes to deadly force and ends up killing his son that was uh, skipping school and his son was kind of yeah. sneaking home. And it's uh, we have stories, you know, that's more isolated, but we do have yeah. stories every that's, single year. Yeah, that's so not the only time that's happened, obviously. I mean, absolutely. there was another one not that long ago in Kansas or Nebraska. It's, it feels like somewhere in the mid, uh, middle part of the country that a very similar thing. You know, daughter of the father comes home. He's not expecting her. And he, exactly jumps right, you know, thinks the plan. Oh, somebody in the house. Don't know who that somebody is. Grab gun. Use gun. I mean, like. 
But terrible plan. It's just so much more of it. Yeah. So, and yep. That's what we talked about Good inside stuff. the seminar. You know, whether you're you know, talking about law enforcement response or trying to get my, my plan of action into place, sometimes it's safer to get outside of the home. Yep. Sometimes it's going to be better to simply get my family or get myself to a barricaded position, make it harder for that attacker to be able to hurt us. Yep. And obviously a firearm's part of that. You know, and it's, uh, a firearm's going to be a part of that. Contacting 911 is all going to be a part of that. And it's just it's, it's so much more than a gun. Yep. So it's just a tool, like you said. Cool, cool. Thoughts on armed uh, home defense? Uh, Barry, pretty, you know, he covers it really well. <laughs> he said it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about. And a lot of, of what, well, let me say is a yep. lot of what he's talking about is like this is level one, the book that we just yep. came out with, uh, that we helped Rob with. Book two is going to be hitting the home defense stuff, if, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, we'll have the yep. evade, arm, barricade, that all, all the steps that should be in a good plan. Yep. yep. Totally. Totally. In fact, uh, you pointed out to me, uh, you know, early on in the book, you die. Unfortunately, yeah, I die, you know. I, I die early in the book. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor tactics there. You did something wrong, man. I don't know what's up with that. Uh, tell me maybe about, I'm curious, and, and you're welcome to obviously throw some thoughts in there as well, but let's just talk real quick about, uh, uh, you know, the use of a light. You know, a light is also another important tool. Uh, you know, more than half of, uh, uh, you know, deadly force encounters in this country occur in a home. You know, home invasion is a very, very common situation that a civilian might find themselves in where they need to use a gun. Uh, by and large, many of those are in low-light situations. So, thoughts on flashlight, weapon-mounted, like, what's, what's your thoughts on those? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm right now I have a flashlight in my pocket. You know, yep. it's, it's broad daylight. I, I always walk, or walk around with a flashlight. Yep. You'd be surprised. Yep. My, my wife actually used to tease me when I first started carrying one until she lost her lipstick under the seat of the car in the middle of the day, and I handed her my flashlight, and she found her lipstick. And yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, it was a yeah, great totally. idea. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Great idea. Like, I, it, you use it more often than you realize. Right. Um, I, I, I don't carry a weapon-mounted light on my pistol. I, I carry, yeah. you know, a pocket one. I, I don't like the gun being a flashlight. The gun is a yeah. gun, and a flashlight is a flashlight. Now, if you want to have a backup, or maybe it's a, a laser a laser flashlight combination, so you have some sort of tertiary aiming device on the gun, yeah. that, that makes sense. But, you know, the, the flashlight can be used to find the bad guy, identify a good guy within the house. Um, but it's really important to know how to use it and not substitute a gun and a weapon-mounted light, you know, interchangeably. What do you yeah, think? totally. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right? Is that, you know, with a flashlight, it's a tool for navigation. It's a tool for identification. It's a tool for getting answers. Uh, yep. Inside of a home, you know, we kind of understand a lot of our home being that you don't necessarily need it for in, in, in navigation. Yeah. What you really, really do need it for is identification. Is yeah. that is that my family member? Is that somebody I don't want to shoot? Or is exactly. that somebody I actually may have to use deadly force against? And that's what the flashlight's for. But when we start to mount that to the fire, firearm itself, uh, we have to start employing tactics in regards to bouncing the light off to where we can avoid unnecessarily pointing our firearm at people we care about. The problem is, is that you know, when I uh, have seen a lot of students inside of scenarios where they're completely amped up, where I'm evaluating their uh, ability to be able to apply that skill in a realistic setting, what we end up finding is that as soon as there is something to look at, the light may go from bouncing it off the ground or with the weapon, bouncing it off the ground, immediately we start to see the light come back up because we want to put more illumination on what that target is. So we yeah. want to avoid that kind of stuff. Totally. So it's, uh, I like a handheld flashlight as a primary tool. 
yep. my home defense setup. I'm going to have a handheld flashlight staged there with the home defense handgun. Yes. Uh, at home, I also do have a weapon-mounted light on those firearms, but that's for illuminating a target I've already decided you, I need to use deadly it, force against. Yeah. So that's where you can, you know, on a lanyard, you can drop the light, drive the gun out, and then you can use the light under that setting. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, I, I have no problem with weapon-mounted light. In fact, it has its purpose, but its purpose is it's used when the gun's being used, and we don't always want the gun to be used. Uh, it's, I'm glad you mentioned staging. You know, I, I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this as well, but I have just a quick access safe, and it's important. I make sure I tell every student this. It's not just a gun that's in that safe. You know, it's gun, and it's a flashlight at bare minimum. Absolutely. You know, maybe a spare mag and a knife. Uh, so I kind of have all those tools ready to go. Uh, hit the buttons, unlock it, pop it open, gun, light. You know, if I need to, I could search. Yeah, you can't, in my opinion, especially in a home situation, especially where there is that chance you might find yourself in a low-light situation and you might need to use your gun, you can't have the gun without that flashlight. Yeah, it's important, right? And you, like you said, a safe, you're responsible for that gun, right? I, I don't have kids. Barrett does. it. His two young boys, you know, I, in my house, you know, I still have a quick access safe for the times when I have nieces and nephews over. Oh, absolutely. You know? like, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's uh, years ago before I had kids, I lived in, a, in an area where we never had visitors. In eight years, I lived in the house. Nobody just like popped in and said, hey, I was in the area, right? Never yeah. happened because <laughs> of where we lived. Yeah. You know, my wife was trusted. She was trained with guns. I was trained. I was trusted with guns. At that time, I didn't have to put it in a fast access safe. But yeah. fast forward, you know, we're in Kentucky right now. I'm, uh, my kids aren't. My kids are at home in Louisiana, potentially inside the home. Yeah. So at four and six, it doesn't matter the fact that I educate them, that I teach them, that we go out to the range and shoot, and they demonstrate good safety handling. At the end of the day, they're still four and six. Yeah. So I have to make sure that I'm doing something yep. to prevent access responsibly to it's those responsible. who are inside of my yeah. home or who are around those firearms that I can't trust with the guns. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Stage things the right way. Make sure you have the right tools for the right situations. Apply it in the right way. All, all great lessons to take away from that. Also a communication device, right? Like a cell phone. Yes. Even if you have an old cell phone, right, they will still dial 911 even Absolutely. if it doesn't have service. Um, you know, keep that with your quick yeah. access safe. You can keep yeah. it plugged in there to where it's always there. Because as, yeah. as we've gotten away from landlines inside the house where we used to have phones in different rooms, especially in the days they started selling like the package of the cordless phones, right? They were all over the place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Four pack, you know. Right. <laughs> but fast forward now, you know, usually each individual has their own phone, right? If, yep. if they have a phone. My kids don't have a phone, but we, uh, they have access to ours. So yeah. it's, uh, you can take, like Derek said, you can take those old cell phones, leave them powered on and plugged in, and as long as they have a cellular signal, you can still call out and communicate with 911 there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, good thoughts there, gentlemen. Mm -hmm. So here's a question. Uh, you hear something, in, you know, a bump in the night, and it's dark. You're in your bed. What do you do? Like, do you go looking for no. whatever that was? What do you do? Well, see, it's different, right? Barrett has kids. I don't. I have a. I, I live with just. It's me and my wife and my German Shepherd, which yep. is canine trained. Most likely, I'm gonna send the dog. A German Shepherd could do a lot right. for you. The, yeah, the dog. But my students, I I tell them, you know, don't you. There's no need to seek it out as long as you know where your family is and be safe. You know, it could just be something happening outside. It doesn't necessarily mean somebody's breaking in. Yeah. But the last thing we want to do is be a one man, you know, hunt going on a hunt by ourselves through our house trying to find a bad guy, right? When yeah. we get the family together, barricade, execute the plan. Yep. 
Absolutely. So I, I, as mentioned, four-year-old, six-year-old, at one point they sleep in cages like other kids do at that age, right? Now they're in their own bed. So now yeah. they're almost at an unpredictable uh, stage in their it, own life, it, right? Yeah. We can talk about things to do. We talked about fire plant. We've got a designated area. How do we get outside of the windows, go to these areas to get away from the home? Well, part of that's also the same thing with self-defense, being that you know I, I need to give my, my family permission to be able to evade and get away if they can get away, you know, without me having to instruct them to be able to do so. So, I mean, if it's safer, sometimes let's get them out the window. Other times, you know, I, I, I personally, obviously I have to go to the children's bedroom to be able to deal with it. Well, understand alarm going off, potentially dogs barking, panic, stuff like that, right? I may at any point in time have a, a, my wife or a child or somebody else pop around a corner and surprise the crap out of me, right? So I've got to think about that when I have a gun in my hand. And I don't want to move around a house and and be potentially pointing a firearm at someone that I care about and end up startled by that wrong individual. So as you move through the home, it needs to either be, you know, pointed more towards the ground in a sole position or uh, potentially already still sitting in a holster and kept in a holster potentially on the body as well as you move through to where you don't unnecessarily point the firearm at them. Totally. Uh, but, yeah, in that situation, uh, young kids are either being given permission to stay uh, inside of the room and wait there for one of the parents to be able to come there or potentially also getting outside of the home, depending on what that danger actually is. Yeah. Yeah, excellent thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, Here would be another thing. I recently saw a video on PDN, uh, I believe that you were doing, and it was about, if I remember correctly, not appearing like a threat, mm-hmm. like kind of a mass sh- you know, shooting, active shooter type situation. So can we touch on that just briefly Absolutely. as well? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, we're kind of big on that side of the program. If you're not engaged in shooting, then don't look like an individual that's actually engaged in shooting. Yeah. I mean, don't have a what firearm is, out there at right. extension, right? So what is, that's is exactly it, what I was going to say. What does that look like? Uh, keeping it close, tucked back into you, or hand staged on the firearm inside the holster in a public environment if you're not actually engaged in using it, yep. be an active shooter. If we're moving to an area or trying to get away from that danger, and I'm, not, I'm not running through a building trying to find that active shooter, right? That's not my job. I'm not in a uniform. I don't have the badge I can be easily confused as a bad guy if I'm running around with that firearm so if I don't have that identified threat and I'm trying to move to safety or move my family to safety I could simply have my hand gripping the gun still staged there or if I've got a coat I could have it underneath the coat yep. I'm not looking like you're actually engaged in actually using that gun but right. that even applies over to the home defense setting because remember it's alarm calls you know if you've got an alarm system well at some point in time there's notification to law enforcement whether you intervene or right if you're not answering the phone from the alarm company they're going to dispatch law enforcement out there now i think it's something like 75 percent of uh, alarm calls are actually false alarms so a lot of times they're not getting a lot of priority there but if if you've contacted 911 because you believe you have an intruder in your home that's kind of getting priority now so you've got law enforcement moving in well, they're coming to your house and they're potentially looking for someone that could be armed. They're looking for that threat. They're looking for that intruder. They're looking for that bad guy. We don't want to be confused as that individual, right? Absolutely. And I don't know the area of where this was, but I was just recently reading an article, as in like yesterday, reading an article uh, that uh, included an alarm call. And I guess, I don't know if it was a silent alarm or what. However, there was an alarm going off at a home where a, uh, a, a female and male were there living. I think they were actually 
exes, but they got back together at some point. So they're there living inside of the home, and the alarm goes off, so the police are responding. They've been notified by the alarm company, so the police are responding to that. Well, the people inside the home, they have an intruder in their house, so they're actually working through dealing with the intruder in the home. Well, the husband uh, grabs a firearm, so he arms himself with the firearm. At some point, the wife's climbing out the second-story window, but in all these details, we don't really know exactly what happened. At least I don't really know exactly what happened, but the homeowner armed with the gun is going towards the front porch while police are responding to the house looking for an armed intruder or an intruder inside the home. Unfortunately, they ended up shooting and killing the homeowner. Yeah. But as he's coming out with a gun, clearly that could be easily confused. So we've got to make sure oh, that you know it's not just about the, the the perception; it's also about making sure our actions that we take are you know based on yeah. that risk of things like that potentially happening. Yeah, we had a really great discussion yesterday in one of our interviews too, where that kind of came up. Like that's one piece of it, right? But on the other side, if you're the one that's looking for a threat, you need to also be trained and understand what that threat might look like as well. Uh, what kind of cues or signs you're looking for. Um, it's got to be multiple things, not just you think you see a weapon and that immediately means it's a threat, but there's body language involved. There's, there's other things, yeah, behavior that you yep. got to be looking at, and that might cue you in as far as uh, clue you in as to what that, that actually what's going on. So anything you'd like to add, Derek? Uh, Barrett, Barrett got it pretty well. I mean, you know, we, that's why we teach the high compressed ready. You know, uh, we have a two-person armed defense class that we use for, you know, couples that are both armed or, you know, two friends that spend a lot of time, work colleagues. And one of the positions we teach is that sole position, you know, with the muzzle down. Right. So it's a safe position as well as a, a non-shooting position. It doesn't look like yeah. a very threatening It, it really position. is a non-threatening position because somebody that's trying to kill you is not doing that. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know. So we teach multiple target engagement. We talk about assessment when you're assessing your environment. You know, we talk about what are the things you should be looking for, you know. People that, that need to be shot, people we don't want to get shot by. Well, when we get to that, people we don't want to get shot by, how do we make sure that we don't get shot we, by not looking like a threat? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, it looks like we're out of time, gentlemen. I, I, we could talk probably all day long. <laughs> Appreciate your guys' time, and uh, hope to connect with you again soon. Awesome. Thank all you right. for the time. Well, there you go. Wasn't that a great interview? Now, hopefully you got a lot out of that, especially this idea of looking at how you hold yourself, how you portray yourself, how you might be seen by others, including responding law enforcement to a scene where it's chaotic, it's perhaps in a busy, public, populated place, and how are you seen? I think that's the thing I, I want I want to leave you with and have you really consider. Now, Derek and and Barrett both had really great insights. Uh, these are some of the same things. You know, it, our, our thoughts are just so well aligned on this. Uh, holding yourself in a way where you don't appear to be threatening, even if you are holding a gun, or perhaps even just keeping that gun in a holster. You can have your hand right there at the, you know, ready to go. Uh, you know, especially when you've got the gun or the hand already on the gun, you can really draw and shoot pretty quickly. And I realize, you know, this is this is a, t- a, a tricky thing. You, you never know maybe perhaps where, where when that threat's going to jump out at you and you want to be ready, ready for action. But uh, at the same time, we have to balance that risk with another risk, and that is the risk of responding authorities and how they might perceive you. Now, like I said, there's some great things, you know, position Sewell, 
is kind of a non-threatening position. Uh, it's also one that you just don't see bad guys use. Now, maybe I suppose it's possible that they might try to do that sometime, to, you know, to confuse law enforcement or whatever, but I, r- I really don't see that as being the case. Uh, particularly if you look at active shooter situations, they are in the act of trying to kill people. And it just doesn't make sense that they would hold their gun in a way that is non-threatening or that is not really ready for, you know, they're, they're in, they don't care who they shoot. They don't care who they hurt. The gun will be out. It will be aimed and fired over and over and over again. Uh, also, maybe just keeping the gun down at your side or, you know, and, and have your, your support hand ready to go up. You know, the universal sign of my hand is raised hi, I'm a good guy, or help me sort of gesture, right? Keeping the gun, once again, the gun downward in a just in a uh, non-threatening manner. And then, of course, you know, you, you want to be ready with language such as, I'm a concealed carrier, or I'm a good guy, whatever it is. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to trust you at your word and say, oh, come with me, help me. I doubt that's what they're going to do. But the goal is to create pause in them and in a doubt right if they're thinking that they're going to engage you want to create doubt that you're a bad guy okay and give you that time and, and especially if you appear as though you're non-threatening and maybe you're even go are already motioning like you're going to put the gun down or whatever it may be then hopefully it buys you the time and they can issue some commands to you as to what to do next. And you need to be ready to respond immediately to whatever it is that you're commanded to do. So really good suggestions there. Now, a couple of observations that I had about this shooting at the mall, and we'll probably break this down, I think, in our next episode as well. But a couple of things, I, you know, you can think on this until our next episode. Number one, this guy, EJ Bradford Jr., was running away from the scene. It's been said. That's I've seen in several different sources that he had his gun in his hand and he was running away from the scene. This, to me, makes it appear as though he was going after the bad guy. And now I don't know for, for a fact that's what he was doing, but that's what it appears like. And, you know, this is a soldier. So, you know, he's used to trying to do the right thing. He's used to putting himself out there, putting his life at, you know, in in harm's way for the benefit of other people around him. He's used to serving and giving of himself. He's doing the noble thing. But the risk that he also assumed, if this is actually the case, if he was going after the bad guy, is that he might be confused as the bad guy. In him going after the bad guy, he may well have looked threatening. If he was running, for instance, if he had his gun in his hand, and perhaps it was outstretched in any way, that may have, unfortunately, been his demise. Now, we don't know for a fact, but we'll see as things continue to come out and perhaps an official report is put together on what happened here. And maybe Perhaps there's some some video. I mean, this isn't a mall. There's got to be some cameras somewhere. Cell phones, store cameras, mall cameras, even if there was not body cam footage. And maybe there is body cam footage, but they haven't said that there is yet. So that's one thing. You know, just think about that. Think about these witnesses stating and and the police also stating that he was running away from the scene. So what was he doing? 
and think about, again, how that makes you look to others, especially those that are responding uh, in the case of the police. So that's, I think that's a, a worthy thing looking at. There, there's really no, there's nothing that says, folks, that we've, that we've got to be the hero, right? Now, if you're right there and you're right in the thick of it and you're able to draw and put that bad guy down right then and there, that's great. But you dramatically increase your risk in a variety of ways by pursuing the bad guy. There's many cases we covered in the podcast. In fact, we just had a story last week on our news episode where the man chased down a thief and could have got himself really seriously hurt. Fortunately, he was able to resolve it by drawing his gun and firing a shot. But it could have gone sideways very quickly for him, and that's because he pursued the bad guy. All right, so that's all I got. Uh, I'm actually on the road. I'm trying to get back to Colorado. Uh, by the time you listen to this, I, I should be there, but, uh, <laughs> kind of hit some weather and things got interesting. So anyway, I, once again, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll get back onto the schedule of things here in short order. Looking forward to later this week, we'll, we'll have our, our news episode and we'll have another content filled episode, uh, later on in the week. And so with that, a reminder to each of you to train, right, train often and train safe. So you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.